This episode of the 3D Insights podcast is sponsored by Kite Rocket, a full-service PR-forward marketing agency with deep roots in the semiconductor and microelectronics industries. The company brings strong market knowledge to every engagement, backed by a deep bench of experts across business, communications, and technology. Offerings include PR, content development, digital marketing, social media, graphic design, video production, websites, events, strategic business counseling, market analysis, and more. To learn how Kite Rocket can help you achieve your business goals, visit KiteRocket.com. Hi there. I'm Francoise Von Trapp, and this is the 3D Insights Podcast. Hi, everyone. The semiconductor industry is in an interesting position right now. On one side, the demand is there for it to become a trillion-dollar industry sometime in the next seven to ten years. But headwinds, including a current downturn, has many companies putting the brakes on spending. So here to talk to me about that and what companies should do to move up in a downturn are Joe Sestari and Martijn Pirik of Kite Rocket. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you, Francois. Thank you. So before we dive in, can you each tell me a little bit about your background and your role at Kite Rocket? Martijn? Sure. I founded the agency in 2005 as Impress Labs after some acquisitions rebranded in 2017 to Kite Rocket, uh, but we've been in the semiconductor industry for that long, and myself, I have been in it for over about a quarter century now, focused on public relations specifically for the semiconductor industry, but you know, having grown our agency into a full-service marketing company, uh, I'm currently the, the chair. Okay. And Joe? Sure. I've been in the semiconductor business since 1986. I've done a little bit of everything from process and equipment engineering to fab engineering and construction, supply chain, software. I've been a client of Kite Rocket and their predecessor, Impress Labs, for about 20 years. And for the last almost five years, been uh, an executive director for the company, helping as a subject matter expert in the industry. Okay. So let's set the stage a little bit. What happens to many semiconductor companies when they're facing a downturn? Uh, anytime a downturn hits, the brakes are put on. Obviously, that is normal. Demand goes down, inventories go up, so you know the financials need to uh, need to be managed for the next period going forward. And so, what we see happening quite often then is that uh, companies will start looking at where they can cut to manage the headwinds and uh, and make it through a downturn. Speaking from our perspective of marketing and PR, quite often those are one of the first things that get cut because it's a little bit easier to cut, first of all, because usually we are you know, an external resource. And secondly, in our world, uh, quite often marketing PR is not necessarily seen as a direct uh, generator of business growth. I can't say that I agree with that statement, right. but that's that what we see quite a lot. Yeah. And from my perspective, I think we're rather Pavlovian from an industry standpoint. We, we have like this playbook, oh, downturn, let's look for page three and we'll see what we need to do. And what you realize, and if you look back at every downturn in history, they've all had their uniqueness. Okay. Yes, it's a downturn because businesses slow down, but there are parameters in there that, uh, frankly, most people don't necessarily pay attention to. So I think there's something to be said for you know, some companies that have a lot of cash and a dominant position double down in a downturn. And then the other extreme is that people cut back sometimes too far and then they're not poised to uh, to be successful in a ramp. And, you know, like with everything, usually somewhere in between makes sense. So I think we need to be a little bit more analytical and, and um, 
use a lot more market data and market intelligence to make decisions about what to do in a downturn. Yeah, because they're not always just cutting their marketing budgets, too, because sometimes they're cutting staff. They're cutting any sort of growth. For instance, like with the industry has a glut of memory chips right now. So now they're going to go through that process where they stop building up capacity. And then we're going to end up on the other side in a shortage. So it is interesting, actually, to see how our industry has evolved and the cycles have kind of repeated itself. And we've kind of had the same remedies and the same types of activities to try to manage through it. But our industry has definitely changed. You know, a lot of our industry cycles over the past few decades, decades have very much been centered around like next big thing, big applications. But this drive through to a trillion dollars is really more towards the broader proliferation of semiconductors in every single thing you can think, right? We're in a new industrial revolution with uh, artificial intelligence going to continue to drive the need for a lot of semiconductors. But across the board, there is no one big thing. There is so many, many big things. And so um, we are currently in a downturn more because of general economic headwinds and not, not necessarily because the semiconductor industry needs. Yes, there are some inventory gluts and we've had some overcapacity because of what happened during the COVID downturn and the shortages. But ultimately, um, the outlook of our industry is actually very healthy. You know, mm -hmm. There is prolonged growth predicted to get to that trillion number as soon as next year, we have to believe uh, where the current analysis lies. It's interesting, actually, that even in this downturn where everyone knows we're going to be needing more capacity, we're going to need more chips, we're going to have that demand kick up pretty soon again, there is still a lot of that uncertainty. Well, hey, let's just wait. Let's just not spend just right now. That's not across the board. There is companies that are smarter about investing counter-cyclical, both on capacity side as well as on the marketing side. Mm -hmm. I know we're focused on marketing here. It's a, an interesting time we're in because we know things are going to be fine again, right. as they always will, but we also kind of know when and how big the growth uh, opportunities are. From a marketing perspective, you've got somebody coming to you saying, you know, my budget got cut, but I still want to work with you. How do you approach helping them make the most of what they've got to spend? When you do have to cut your budget because shareholders need to know what you're going to do for them next quarter and, and, and the PE firms need to get their multiples and so forth, then you have to start looking at cutting that budget down and being really more effective with, with the dollars you do have to spend. But what I'd really like to do first and foremost is go back and see if we can have a further conversation with the client and try to convince them that cutting back on marketing really is not your best way to bring yourself through this downturn. You know, when business is harder to come by and customers are harder to get to spend money with you, that's the time when you actually really want to up your marketing efforts, right? So that you, first of all, keep that presence in the industry, the, you keep your relationships with those customers, you see those opportunities and they, they don't pass you by. And also when things do pick back up, you know, you've gotten a lot of value out of your marketing dollars because if, if everyone else starts cutting and you don't, you're just inherently getting more mind share, more eyeballs, more visibility for, for the same spend. That being said, if budgets do need to get cut, it's all about prioritizing. Where do you still get the greatest value, but also where do you lose the most by stopping certain programs? Public relations, for instance, is not something you can stop and start. It's an ongoing activity. You build momentum, you build relationships, you have lead times, you have promises you know, to, to a, an industry, a publishing industry. Um, and so 
you cannot just do that on and off and say, okay, we'll stop it now and then we'll turn it back on. Well, when you turn it back on, it's going to take a couple of months before you have momentum going, before you have things in the pipeline, before you have new coverage opportunities coming again, even in today's digital age. Usually when someone um, starts a PR campaign, they're promoting something, there's something new happening. They maybe have a new employee to announce or they're talking about um, a merger or acquisition or they're talking about a new product Mm -hmm. or some sort of partnership. If they're kind of buckling down and not having anything to talk about, what do you tell them? Well, I mean, I think this is where the prioritizing piece comes in, right? But you want to continue to have that relationship with the media, even when you don't have a lot to talk about. And actually, quite often, this is when the media really wants to talk to you about what's going on in our industry. What are you seeing? How are things moving, right? Um, what's happening in the market? And um, and again, that kind of puts you in that thought leadership position, shifting a bit from traditional PR to the thought leadership piece is... You are being seen as an industry leader, as someone who, who understands the dynamics, what's going on, the trends. You can really um, use that to your advantage as well with your customers when it comes to, you know, okay, it's time to start looking at ramping up again, getting the business going again. They're intertwined and you need to just kind of find the right marketing mix to get the best bang from your buck. The earned media obviously is always something that has higher credibility and that gives you more return value. Your paid media might be one of the first things you might want to look at cutting back on. It's also easier to turn back on as soon as you need it because it doesn't really have that long lead element to it. Joe, maybe you want to chime in as well from from a customer perspective. Yeah, I think, you know, if you take it literally, right, you could say that public relations isn't necessary when you don't have anything to relate to the public. New employees, like you said, Francoise, or new product. But I look at it a little differently. And again, to me, it's about consistent presence regardless of the state of the market. And so my relations with employees, with suppliers, with customers are important regardless of the situation in the market. And I think to me, that's the most important thing to remember. So maybe I'm not doing a press release that announces some new great product, but maybe I'm spending my dollars on making sure my employees feel comfortable because retention of your assets and your knowledge, which really is about your people, is the most important thing to do in a downturn. The last thing you want to do is lose talent. And um, you know, that's a really important thing to remember. So from an investment standpoint, I'm spending my limited dollars where I can to scale my presence, both internally and externally. How so can people do that? The podcast is a great idea. <laughs> Whether you're just attending an event, you don't have to spend a lot of money to be a sponsor. But you know, even videotaping messages from the CEO or from your management team or whatever it is to just let people know what's going on and to be aware. When you have a large company, it's hard sometimes to get the message out. So we need to use the vehicles we have. And we have plenty of technology today. We just need to remember that it's not digital. Don't turn it on and off. You might use it differently. Your message might be different, but it's still a platform that you need to convey information. Investing in a marketing program is very similar, actually, to investing in R&D, in a way. You know, it's investing in the growth of your company. When commerce is slow, when the industry goes down, companies do not stop spending on R&D. Actually, quite often, this is where they have more time and resources start spending more on R&D to get ready for the next upturn, to have the next solution for their customers. They actually also spend a lot more time with their customers doing R&D for their customers or solving problems that next generation technologies might pose. 
marketing is not a whole lot different. It is preparing for that next stage as well, right? And so when the days are good and a lot of money is being made, it's easy to just up your spend on marketing because, oh, we need all this brand awareness and we want to be seen as so great in the industry and we want to get all this visibility. But ultimately, you know, when you make money as a company, traditional business models tell you, you know, you save some money for a rainy day, right? And the, and the rainy day comes is this when you invest in the next sunny day. This is when we get ready for for the next upturn. And so if you believe that it is foolish to stop spending on R&D during a downturn, it's also foolish to stop spending on everything that pertains to your customers and your future markets during a downturn. So yeah. I could see where it would be an ideal time to maybe revisit your website, revisit your marketing materials, bring them up to date. Because one thing I do know is that when a company is on the upcycle and super busy, they often also ignore those things because unless it's a new product introduction that they need new materials for, they're not giving the love they need to their existing collateral because right? mm -hmm. they don't have time. So in an upturn, they don't have time to talk about it or to work on it. And in a downturn, they don't have the money to well, work on. It's a great point. It's a good time for re reflection on your collateral, on your messaging. Look at where we've come from. You know, when this downturn started somewhere in 2022 to where we are today, and look at how much AI has become such a hot topic and a driver, right? Not that we didn't already know it in our industry that it was going to be, that it is the next industrial revolution, that it is going to dominate a lot of industry, right? Th those downturns are quite often the time when we reflect what's going to be driving the next upturn. What are the technologies, the products, the whatever it is that's going to be driving the next growth cycle, right? And so, again you start investing in making sure that all your marketing materials or your technical communications, all your customer communications are focused on, on those next drivers as well, just like your R&D is. Again, it really is similar to, to everything that you would do on product development and technology development. If you start looking at, at that in that way as marketing being a very strategic investment and not a frivolous investment, and, and our industry is just not very good at valuing marketing that way, and I'm not saying every industry is the same way, but I think those companies that do do that, and there's quite a few examples that do do it right and that do invest counter-cyclical and that do see the opportunity to get so much more value out of their marketing dollars during these times. It's very smart. And then there's the opportunity to pivot, right? When you go through a down cycle, companies look at pivoting. They look at restructuring. They look at doing a lot of different things. Again, your marketing communication strategy plays a big role into making sure that the entire world knows what changes, what pivots, what things you're doing to get ready. So, again, you know, use those tools. Um, we're still facing, you know, a long-term workforce shortage for our industry, right? That's not going to clear up. Now nobody is, you know, looking at hiring en masse maybe, but that's just a matter of time. Build up your recruitment communications program so that you, know, you are attractive, you know, when the next upcycle comes and you are going to be hiring a lot of people. Well, and, you know, when you yeah. talk about workforce development, that's one of the headwinds for achieving a trillion dollars because we need to add capacity. We need workers. I mean, TSMC just pushed out production for one year in Arizona because they don't have the workforce to support it is one of the reasons they're mm -hmm. talking about that. Another thing to consider is right now in the U.S., there's a lot of money on the table for the Chips and Science Act. And a lot of companies are looking to apply for those funds, but those funds aren't coming right away. How is that impacting business? Oh, that's clearly caused a pause for a lot of companies. There's uh, no shortage of RFQs and activity, but the general consensus is that a lot of orders are on hold 
until CHIPS Act money starts flowing. I, I understand on one hand, on the other hand, the CHIPS Act is not the panacea to solve your complete business plan, right? So there's not enough money to give everybody what they need for these aggressive plans that have been announced. So you have to have a business plan that's going to succeed with or without CHIPS Act money because just stirring up activity completely contingent upon CHIPS Act, I don't think is a sound business strategy. I know not everybody's doing that, but again, there's an overwhelming uh, paralysis out there about orders that are just on hold until CHIPS Act money starts flowing. And I think it's back to what Martine said too, from an investment standpoint, you know, marking it should be part of your management toolbox. It is part of your asset portfolio. It is part of what you use to create your, your brand or main, at least maintain your brand so that you can recruit talent, so that you can t continue to pursue your technology roadmap, so you can continue to develop your supply chain, which is still a critical issue for all of us. I mean, those things are really important. Um, and we should use our, our marketing assets as tools to do that. And market knowledge and insights, which I think as an industry, uh, and certainly an area where Kite Rocket has spent some time and effort, but, but can do more on helping companies get more insight into what's going on in the market and not just uh, react to what you see or hear in the top level headlines. Yeah, let's talk about Kite Rocket a little bit. What sets the agency apart from other agencies that serve this semiconductor space? Well, I can tell you from two perspectives. As a former client, what I appreciate about Kite Rocket is their intimacy in the industry and their knowledge of the industry, not just over a period of a few years, but over decades and people that have had experience from different facets of the industry, materials, equipment, process, uh, that knowledge is invaluable. So when I think about a partner to help me grow my business or turn around my business or release a new product or change the culture, I want to partner with somebody that's been in my shoes that understands the dynamics of the industry and, and isn't just a, a tactical uh, execution partner. And I actually think that Joe being a part of our team is a, a good illustration of that as well, right? We want to have voice of the customer as much as the expertise and the knowledge on, on what we do in our organization. So what sets us apart is we're very focused on, on this market. We understand it. We have a core team that's been with us for decades and have been in this industry for decades. They, they understand the landscape. They understand the technology. They understand the dynamics. You know, I think our focus is very much, and this is why we call ourselves a PR forward marketing communications agency, right? We really focus heavily on the PR piece. And really what that means is being very strategic about how we help our customers. You know, the business cycles in our industry are long and tedious. And you need to understand that and you need to be able to play into that. Having expertise from the client side, someone like Joe on our team is valuable. But also, for instance, you know, the work we're doing with Dean Freeman right now on, on creating our insights portion, what I call uh, our market intelligence for, for intelligent marketing. Who's Dean Freeman? Dean Freeman, former Gartner DataQuest analyst um, and um, a team member of Kite Rocket as well as uh, a team member of 3D Insights. Um, knows the equipment space very well, knows the material space well, um, has been on the on the fab side as well, and, and really understands how to follow the market trends uh, and the market dynamics and track that and apply that knowledge and accumulate all that knowledge to help our clients, you know, have better insights into what are, you know, dynamics that are going to drive business decision-making for them. You're calling this Kite Rocket Insights. Yeah. And how are you using that service 
for your clients? It's a new initiative that we just started a couple of months ago. What it's focused on is just providing better market intelligence both for our internal team to continue to learn because we always have new hires and and young talent coming in and bringing them up to speed, understanding what the market dynamics are and and how our clients work, what they do, you know, how they fit in the ecosystem, all the way down to actually being able to provide our clients with insights of what's going on geopolitically. You know, um, what is the competitive landscape doing? What are specific technology trends doing and and how do they play into their specific market segment or or their specific business allowing them to you know get more intelligence so that we can make smart decisions on how we structure our marketing plans well i think that's really interesting that as you have incoming staff that you are investing in creating the next generation of subject matter experts. That is really, going back to your original question, what sets us apart. We like to call ourselves the engaged and connected experts. Um, we really want to know the business, the industry, what our clients do. want to build long-term relationships because of that, because we feel like the longer you work with a client, the better you start understanding them, their customers, and their market, the more effectively you can do marketing for them. Secondly, I think that at some point when you start getting really ingrained into this business, it's kind of hard to get out because it's just interesting. We're really driving at the leading edge and we're doing things that are affecting everyone's daily lives and our futures and all the new technologies and then the new products. And you know, our staff are really committed to that and they really like to be part of that. I mean, you've spent your entire career in this industry. Yes, and, and I have no engineering never background. Wanted, never wanted to leave. Nope. Nope, because it's a fun industry to be involved in. So what are three things you'd like our listeners to leave with today? I think uh, for me, it's always about balanced perspective, right? And we can talk about upturn and downturn. And yes, there are issues associated with both and there are actions we take in a reactionary way to both. But I think... Um, we all need to work together to get more informed uh, and make better decisions and really look at the fact that we're here for the long term, right? I don't think anybody disagrees with the, the long-term relevance of the industry. And so, yes, a downturn might be a pause or a point of confusion, but it should not be a disruption uh, the way it's been in the past. And even if you look at something like workforce development, I think we have clients that look at both sides of that equation. Yes, we need more talent, always. But we also need technology and solutions that minimize the need for manpower for individual tasks. So, Martin pointed this out earlier that we've been through cycles always. If you're in this industry, you should be prepared for the fact that the cycle is going to end or is going to shift and that we have enough business in the future to keep us going. And Martin? Take good care of your brand. Your brand is your company's health. Um, and we, we need to take good care of ourselves as human beings and take good care of our health. And as a company, we need to do the same thing for our brand. And that means invest in it, continue to nurture it. Don't think that it's a stagnant thing. We don't own our brands. The world owns our brand and who, who we are and how we bring perceived. But we are the only ones that can make sure that we do the best we can to make sure that perception is right, that the market perceives as positively and stay invested in your brand and keep investing in your brand. Yeah, and I have one final thought. You know, business is based upon a series of relationships, customers, suppliers, employees, and continuing to invest in those is critically important and continuing to communicate uh, to all of those various groups uh, of stakeholders is also critically important. That will ensure a future success. 
And if you want to find out more about how Kite Rocket can help you, you should visit their website at www.kiterocket.com. Thanks for joining me today, guys. And we'll talk next time. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Join us next week for a preview of the International Microelectronics and Packaging Society's International Symposium taking place October 2nd to the 5th in San Diego, California. I'll be speaking with Erica Folk, incoming IMAPS president, and members of the committee about what you can expect by attending this year's event. There's lots more to come, so tune in next time to the 3D Insights Podcast. The 3D Insights Podcast is a production of 3D Insights, LLC.